Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 4, we are in the middle of a series called Favor. Somebody say favor. Anybody interested in favor? Come on, the the grace of God coming to you, helping you to do what you could never do on your own. And this whole series has been brought out of the scriptures in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news. Somebody say good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see. The last three weeks, we've talked about good news to the poor, those that are broke. We talked about the releasing of captives, those that are bound. Today, I want to talk to you about the blind, those that are blind, that favor comes upon a group of people to, the, to set not only captives free, but to bring sight to those that are blind. How many of you wear glasses? Let me see your hand. How many wear glasses? Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, my dad was my teacher. I couldn't see the chalkboard, so he moved me up to the front row. Still couldn't see the board, so he got me an appointment with an eye doctor. Started wearing glasses when I was in the fifth grade. Eventually, I didn't think glasses were cool, so I needed contacts. How many of you wear contacts? Yes, indeed. How many of you ever had surgery on your eyes? Yeah, some of you had laser surgery or LASIK surgery. I remember being in in Shreveport Shreveport at a, a FCA camp, and I had emergency surgery on my eyes. I was in a basketball game, and somebody tried to block my shot. I mean, for real, you're going to try to block my shot? You're trying, to, you're trying to check me? You're trying to block me? So I go up to shoot the ball, and the dude takes a swipe at the ball and peels out a portion of my eye. Yes, I find myself at Willis-Knighton Medical Center. They stuck a rod about that long down my, oh, yes, crazy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <clears throat> LASIK surgery. I've had surgery on my eyes to repair my vision. Uh, how many of you, the older you get, the larger print that you need for your Bible? Or the older you get, the, the, the shorter your arms feel. I gotta, when I read things now, i got to pull it way. Is that normal? It's not normal? It is normal. Okay. All, all the, the wise people are saying, yes, that's very normal. How many has ever yelled at a referee while watching a football game? And you said, you need glasses. Yeah. Hey, ref, you're missing a good game. Yeah, some of you might have said that last night. You know, God doesn't want us to miss it. The eye is an amazing part of the body, and it's amazing how the the Scripture uses language to talk about our spiritual journey, and it talks about the blind being able to see. One of the anthems of the church is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm... I was... Blind, but now I 
To, to go from being blind to being able to see is kind of a description of our journey in Christ. How many of you remember coming to Christ and feeling, you, you actually had this thought, oh my goodness, I see things now that I couldn't see before. Maybe when you were living in the world, you, you thought you had an understanding of what life and happiness and purpose was all about. But then when you came to know Jesus, your blinded eyes were open. The scales had fallen, and now you could see things for the very first time. I, I love it. The Bible says that God will put favor upon people not only to release captives, not only to preach good news to the poor, but the recovery of sight to those that are blind. I want to teach you for a few moments. If you'll turn over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, I want to teach you out of this particular passage. It's unique in all of the Gospels. It's the only recorded miracle of this blind man recovering sight. Now, Jesus had healed blinded eyes many times before, but this miracle is unique in particular, and we're going to discover why. In Mark chapter 8, look at this. Mark chapter 8 Verse 22, Mark 8, 22. The Bible says, when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, I want you to underline that phrase, led him out of the village. I want to stop right here and say, why? Why would Jesus take this blind man and lead him out of the village? The scripture says that there were a group of people in a community called Bethsaida. Now, if you, if you know a little bit about biblical history, this is one of the communities that Jesus condemned because he had performed so many miracles in this community, and yet people didn't turn their hearts toward God. How many know some people will chase a miracle, but they'll, they'll reject the man? They want nothing to do with the man, but just give me the miracle. And this is one of the communities where Jesus cursed because of their unbelief. He said, this is a group of unbelieving people. I came to them in demonstration and in power and compassion and love. I did mighty works among them, but they didn't turn their hearts toward God. And so Jesus said, you know what? If you're just chasing miracles, you're always going to be chasing. Come on now. And so the Bible says when this group of individuals brought this blind man to Jesus, the first thing he did was lead this man out of the village. I want to tell you this. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thought I want to give you is this. It's important that you eliminate doubt and distraction. you got to eliminate doubt and distractions. You see, the crowd was asking for signs, but Jesus never played to the expectations of the crowd. Jesus had to separate this man from this city of unbelief. He had to get him away from the skeptics. I want you to know this. God works in an environment of faith. Can I have a good amen? You see, God, God does his best work when faith, when the element of faith is present. And God, J Jesus, out of compassion for this man, took him by the hand and led him out of that environment of doubt. That's why I think, you know, when we gather together in environments like this on a Sunday, it's so important because you know what we sense in the house? The presence of Jesus. And when Jesus is here, what do we say? Anything can happen. We're not limited. Man, there's nothing that's impossible when Jesus shows up. 
And sometimes for us, and, and if you're like me, sometimes, I mean, we live in a world that's filled with doubt and unbelief, a world that's filled with distractions. And if we're not careful, we'll let that doubt kind of jump on us. That unbelief, it kind of gets in the way that we think. Sometimes it gets in our words. We get distracted and we lose focus. I want to encourage you, be committed to cultivate a spirit of faith in your life. Do something, do things that grow your faith and help you to focus on the things of God. You know one of the things I love to do that helps to build my faith? I love to just get in this book right here. I made a commitment to read the Bible. Some of you have done this as well. You have a daily routine of getting into God's Word. I've got a set of scriptures that I've committed to memory over the years. And one thing I do is I put it in my visor in my car. And so when I'm driving down the road, I'll pull out those scriptures and I'll just rehearse the Word of God. Can I tell you, it has helped me keep my sanity. When you drive in the streets of Baton Rouge, come on, somebody talk to me. You talk about challenge. You talk about struggle. You talk about fight. You talk about losing your faith. Man, I just get out the scriptures, and I begin to quote the word of God. Man, I go down those, those scriptures. Man, God, you've not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. Isaiah 54.17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me, God, you will condemn. I'm, I'm equipped in the full armor of God according to Ephesians 6, verse 10. The Bible says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand every attack of the enemy. The helmet of salvation to guard your mind and your thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart and your spirit. The shield of faith to block every fiery dart of the enemy. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to slice and dice the devil and cut him down to size. The belt of truth that holds up your dignity, your honesty, and your integrity. And for shoes, God, you've given me the gospel of peace. Those shoes represent direction and purpose. God, order my steps. But, Father, what good is all the armor without the warrior on the inside? God, give me a warrior spirit. Teach me to fight the good fight of faith. Psalm 144, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord who is my rock. He gives me strength for battle and skill for war. Well, how many of you know the streets of Baton Rouge aren't ready for me? <laughs> Bro, for real, by the time I get to where I'm going... I've been speaking the word over my soul. How many know if you drove like that to work, your work environment would change? Why is that? Because you've created an element of faith, an arena of faith. God does his best work when faith is present. And Jesus had to take this man out of the city of unbelief. You know what? You've got to say no to doubt and skeptics. You know, you've got to eliminate some things and some people. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you this? Childlike faith produces godlike results. Come on, are you with me? Y'all kind of sleepy today. When you have faith, now listen, faith does not have, have anything to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with the presence of God and the promise of God inside of you. How many of you worship is helping you to build your faith? You turn on some worship music. And it's like, okay, all right, forget all that craziness, all that hate, all that anger. Man, man, worship, you can just sense the presence of God. 
Sometimes I'll sit down at the piano at my house and I'll just get on the piano and I know it's not anything great, but you know what? I bang out a few chords and God, I just sense the presence of God right there. I play that old school stuff. I was raised on the old schools. I play the hymns, you know, How Great Thou Art. You know, I've got songs about God's faithfulness. I'll sit down on that piano. I'll just play. And in five minutes, I can sense Jesus. I think it's important. The word of God, worship, prayer. We've got to create an environment of faith. And Jesus took this man by the hand, and he led him out of a city of unbelief. I encourage you, limit your exposure to negative people and negative environments. How many know you can catch a cold from somebody who's sick? You can catch a bad attitude. Come on now. Come on, talk to me. That stuff will jump on you. Man, that that spirit of doubt. I'm telling you this. When you doubt, you'll pout and you'll do without. Watch, Watch who you're hanging out with. Don't let that negative, critical spirit jump on you. It's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. I'm telling you, when you create an environment of faith, the Spirit of God will empower you. Jesus, watch what he does here in this this text. This is not a political stunt. Jesus has no agenda. He just has massive, crazy love for people. And so this blind man comes. His friends bring him to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, i got to get you out of here. Come with me. And he takes him by the hand. Look at the personal attention that Jesus gives this man. The Bible says in verse 23, then spitting on the man's eyes, mm-mm-mm. he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? I want to stop right here and say, Jesus heals in many different ways. And we read this in the gospel. Sometimes he'll just say the word. Sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll lay his hands on. Sometimes he'll He'll just, at a glance, I mean, all it takes is a glance. Jesus is not limited in the way that he can heal. But in this verse, the Bible says he literally spit in the man's eyes. Kind of unsanitary, isn't it? I mean, come on, Lord. Of all the ways that you could do the job, how many would prefer Jesus use a different method? When I read it this weekend, I thought, you know, Jesus can heal any way he wants, however he chooses. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. Don't limit God based on what your preference may be, based on what your comfort may be, or even what's traditional. You know, and this is, this is one of the areas that I feel like God is, is challenging me personally, is not to lean on the tradition of men. How many of you know that the touch of God is always greater than the tradition of man? And, and if we're not careful, as a church, we'll get into this repetition or this way of doing things, and we do things out of memory instead of imagination. We do things simply out of rote mechanics and routine, and God's saying, wait a second, don't limit me to that. I've got so much more than that. Now, it's, it's interesting how spit in that day, it was an insult. To be spit upon or to actually spit was considered disrespectful. It was offensive. According to the law of Moses, if you were spit upon, then you were considered unclean. You'd literally have to wash your clothes and take a bath. Jesus, on his way to the cross, what did they do as they were crucifying him? They spit upon him. 
And yet Jesus chooses a method that's unconventional, untraditional. Why, why, does, why does he do this? I think he stretches us because you know what? We, we can't predict God. When you, when you can calculate God, then I think he ceases to be God. God will always, he'll color outside the lines of our understanding. Can I have a better amen? amen. And you know what? It's important that you and I stay surrendered. It's not a method that we're after. It's, it's the man himself. Jesus, however you want to do this. How many ever prayed for healing over somebody that was sick in their body? And in, in, in your prayer, you thought, Lord, I, 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 whatever you want to do, God, however you want to do it, we just submit to you. I'm telling you, those are the prayers that God honors. Don't handcuff God to act according to your expectations. Release God to be God. How about we just let God do God things? Are you with me? Now, we're limited, but he's not. And so how God chooses to heal, don't limit God or put him in a box. You know, it's sad. I wrote this down. It's sad we worship the creator, yet the, sometimes one of the least creative places on the planet is the church. We worship the creator. God literally spoke into nothing and out of nothing created something. We worship that God. That's the God that we serve. And I don't want to make God small and say, well, if God's going to move, he has to do it this way. He has to do it on my timetable. He has to do it according to my expectations. Don't put God in a box. Don't limit God. You know, a little girl, she and her parents were leaving for church one Sunday morning, and her parents gave her some money, and they told her, I said, now, baby, look, you give this money in the offering at children's church. This, this is money that you're supposed to give to Jesus. So she said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So they went to church. They dropped her off at children's church. Mom and dad went to big church. And after service was over with, they got back in the car. They noticed the little, little girl still had the same money in her hand. Mama said, baby, I thought we, we told you this morning that you're supposed to give that money to Jesus. She said, Mama, I would have, but I didn't see Jesus. <laughs> she didn't see him, so she's going to hold on to it. You know, sometimes, sometimes we miss Jesus because he does things outside of our understanding. Oh, he's showing up, but maybe not according to the way that we wanted him to. The Bible says that Jesus spit in the man's eye, laid his hands on him, and then asked him, can you see anything now? Look at verse 24. The man looked around and he said, yes, I see people but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. This tells you that the man wasn't born blind. The man had an understanding of what trees look like, of what men look like. Fascinating here. This miracle is the only miracle recorded in the Gospels that Jesus performed in stages. I mean, there's... there's the, the, the spitting in the eye, the laying of hands on, and he says, what do you see? He says, I can see something. It's not very clear. I can see something, but, but, but it's not complete yet. Why did Jesus perform this miracle in progression? Did he lack the power, the ability in the first place? Was there something, was this kind of an off day? 
Lord, I mean, normally, man, when you just speak, I mean, dead people come out of graves. But this, you know, you're kind of, you're a little off your game a touch. I mean, I wasn't really feeling it today. I mean, no, Jesus isn't limited in power. I think this was not only for the benefit of, of the man, but I think it was for the benefit of the disciples. We'll see this in a second. The third thing I want you to write down is this. Number three, you and I are a work in progress. We're a work in progress. God's not finished with you. Aren't you glad? How many of you are thankful that God is not finished with you? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up on me. Say, God's still working on me. Listen, you may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. You know, some, sometimes I, I think, and here's what I love about the mercy of God. The mercy, you know what mercy is? Mercy is God's patience through our development. Aren't you thankful God's patient with you? Man, don't you think it's important for us to be patient with others? I think as God has extended mercy to us because he's not finished with us yet. Now, I'm, I'm still, I'm not perfected yet. I am a work in progress. How many of you know we all have blind spots? You've got some blind spots. There's some areas in your life, there's some things about you that you don't see. Other people see it, but you can't see it. Isn't it interesting how blind spots work? Other people can see what you can't see about you. It, it, it's kind of like the booger in your nose, right? Or, or body odor or, you know, bad breath. You, you don't know you have it. But listen, if somebody offers you a mint, they're being kind, they're saying, hey, baby, look, whoo, Godzilla breath. I'm going to help you out. Oh, my, I didn't know, really? Sometimes Rachel will look at me and be like, baby, B.C., left nostril. I'm like, what B.C.? Booger check, left nostril. Oh, thanks, babe. I, didn't, I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't know it. But thank God she saw the blind spot. See, God knows that you have blind spots. There are things about you that you don't see. Guess what? He sees it. And he's working on it. Can I have a good amen? amen? See, that ought to encourage some people today. You know what? The man couldn't see perfectly. He couldn't see completely. He said, I see that men, they're kind of like trees. It's kind of fuzzy. God's trying to bring into focus this man's life. And you know what? God's trying to do the same for you. God's trying to help you see what you couldn't see before. I love it. Jesus asked the man, what do you see? It's not because Jesus was confused. Jesus wasn't like, hmm, did, did, I, did I get it right this time? No, no. He knew exactly what he was doing in the man's life. It's a word called process. Somebody say process. We are a work in process. What God starts, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.6. He said, but I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful. Somebody say faithful. To complete it in the name of Jesus. In other words, you haven't crossed the finish line yet. I mean, you've gotten started when you said yes to Jesus. And these disciples had been following Jesus. This was a testimony, I think, to the disciples because here they spent all this time with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They heard the teaching. And yet they still didn't fully understand his mission. He said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter tries to rebuke Jesus and says, oh, no, you won't. And what does Jesus say to him? Satan, get thee behind me. The loving words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He's rebuking Peter. He said, Peter, you don't get it. No, no, no. My purpose, my assignment is to go to the cross. And the disciples were totally clueless. Isn't it amazing you can be so close to it and still not see it? Man, you can come to church for years and be so close to the things of God and still miss the importance of the kingdom of God. And he's telling this blind man, what, what do you see? And he says, well, I see things. That, now, now, things are starting to come into focus, but they're not quite there yet. For some of you, things are starting to come into focus, but you're still not there yet. Don't give up. God has not given up on you. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. Come on, how many of you have made a commitment? You're going to grow in Jesus. I, I made a few mistakes in my past. I've messed up. I, I've, I've made some poor choices, some wrong decisions. You know, we, we tell people all the time, listen, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. But you never lose as long as you learn. Sometimes you win. Some of you are winning. Some of you are learning. But you don't lose as long as you continue to grow. You see, God does his best work as we cooperate with him. Uh, I'm reminded of in Genesis 27. I thought about this, and uh, this is kind of a, a whole sermon in and of itself, but I want you to catch this. Remember in Genesis 27 when Jacob stole Esau's blessing? How many remember that story? Well, okay, I want you to consider this, okay? This is just a little nugget. Study this on your own. But the Bible says, because Jacob and Esau were twins, and Jacob, the name Jacob means deceiver. And so he deceived his father. How did he deceive his dad? The Bible says Isaac was getting blind. Okay, check, check it out now. Here's what happens when you lose sight. Watch this. His eyes were getting blind, so Jacob comes in, and he covers himself with goat skin because his brother Esau was really hairy, right? And so he comes in, and his dad is like, well, wait, wait who are you? And Jacob says, well, I'm Esau, and I've come with the food that you've asked for. And, and Isaac says, well, wait a second. Your, your voice sounds like Jacob, but come here. Let me feel you. Watch this. What did he do? Wow. The voice sounds like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Let me go ahead and give you the blessing. Here's what happens when you lose perspective. You live by your feelings. Come on. Are you with me now? Okay, we just went deep now. We went to a new level now. Why is sight so important? Isaac couldn't see his son. He knew something wasn't right, but he went by what he felt. Some of you, when you lose perspective, you live by feelings. Now, hear me. What happens when you live by feelings? You are easily deceived. You are easily, you fall prey to the deception of the enemy. When you lose perspective, you live by feelings, and you are easily deceived. And Jesus is trying to help this blind man, and he spits in his eyes. He lays hands on him. He says, what do you see? He says, I see things, but they're not quite coming into focus. Look at what it says. Let me finish this in verse 25. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. This is the plan and purpose of God for you. Your life may feel blurry, but God says, I want to bring it into complete focus. Now, let me ask you this question. What finally saved this poor blind man? What was it that saved him? Consider this. 
I think it was his honesty. Jesus said, what do you see? At that moment, the man could have faked it, right? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm good now. I'm good. I see stuff. I mean, think about it. He'd gone from blind to now at least he's seeing something. He could have kind of faked it out, but he said, you know what? It's still kind of fuzzy. So what did Jesus do? He completed the work in him. I want to give you this final thought. God is more attracted to honesty than he is perfection. God is so drawn to your honesty. When you can say, you know what, Lord? I don't see everything clearly. I'm not trying to fake you. How many know you can't fake out God? You can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool God. And this man said, you know, things are a little bit blurry. Jesus said, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, okay. Let me finish what I've started in you. And it's not about perfection. God knows that we miss it. But I think God longs for people to be honest. And if you'll just be honest before God, if you'll just be completely surrendered before the Lord, I believe the hand of God can heal you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You see, God can't heal what you constantly conceal. If we conceal it, God won't heal it. But if we bring it completely to Him, Lord, you see it all. You know it all. I'm not hiding it. Father, it's yours. I believe things come into focus. You know what, you know what 320 is all about for us? We, we talk about favor. We talk about you know, resources and giving and bringing an offering before the Lord. Just like this blind man. He was blind and without sight. I mean, his, his, his eyes were totally dark. But then the presence of Jesus came and illuminated his life. 320 is about bringing people to Jesus, bringing them out of darkness into light, bringing them out of bondage, out of captivity into freedom, bringing them out of blindness into perfect clarity. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225 753-2273.